0: And as we're standing, together, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray that only your word be spoken, only your word heard, and only your word lived. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, this uh, Psalm 23 was the first Psalm that my grandmother taught me. Uh, in Spanish. She loved Psalm 23. And I, I'm confident that it's probably the most famous psalm in the world. Probably the most famous passage in the Bible in the whole world. And I think it's famous partly because this psalm, most psalms contain ancient names of people or places that we don't connect to. And Psalm 23 doesn't have any of that. It's just about a shepherd who takes us to green pastures and he takes us to calm waters. And I think that imagery touches our hearts. It comforts us about the longings of our hearts to be finally cared for, to be safe, to be loved. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want us to reflect on that small phrase I shall not want because it tells us the main thing that the shepherd does the shepherd does everything the shepherd takes care of you it brings you to still waters it restores your aching heart the one whose arms you can fall into and you can say I can't do it anymore and the shepherd will always say don't worry i'm taking care of everything Relax. Just don't worry. And here's what I'm sure of. Each one of us has been searching for a shepherd. For many of us, when we finally got married, we said, Finally, I found the person that's going to take care of me. They're the one. Finally, I can relax. And then we learned that they can't. And some of us were wounded. Because we believed that our parents should have been our shepherds who should have met our every need. And we learned that they couldn't. And so we've looked to friends, to careers. We voted for leaders believing they're going to take care of everything. They're going to take care of my life. And we've learned over and over again that they couldn't. Now, I bet. There's some in this room who are thinking, yeah, I know some people who've lived their lives that way, but not me. I'm emotionally mature. I don't feel like that. I bet you don't. And you don't feel that way because you've made yourself the shepherd. And what Jesus is saying in today's gospel reading Is that whether you're seeking for shepherds out in the world or you've made yourself the shepherd, that's just not the way. No human being, no human made thing, nothing in this world can be a shepherd. Only Jesus can be the shepherd. And if you make other things or other people the shepherd in your life, you're going to end up empty and restless. It's a recipe to be unhappy. Because Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. I'm the one you're seeking. Nothing and no one can take care of you like me. I'm the good shepherd. So trust me. That's the point of the gospel reading. Whether or not Jesus is the one. Because we all need the one. We're all looking for one. And Jesus is pointing out that we've latched onto something to be our shepherd, even if it's us. And that needs to be sorted out. The question is, who is the real one? Right? Who's the right one? If you notice in our gospel reading, that's the debate. And in verse 19, some people looking at Jesus, they said, he's demon possessed. Why even listen to him? But in verse 21, others were saying, wait, no. What he says is great. Look what he's doing. He's got to be good. And so the issue today is, is Jesus the shepherd or not? And I'm going to, I'm sharing with you this morning that yes, Jesus is the shepherd. Because only Jesus knows you, knows me all the way down, warts and all. And Jesus, knowing us completely, loves us and gives himself for us. God, Jesus gives himself for us. And that makes all the difference. And it makes a difference because our needs, our human needs are so deep and they're so great. You're finding out in life, no one can really meet them. Not a spouse, not friends, not your parents. No one except God. And to meet our deepest need, Jesus gives himself. He gives himself for you and he gives himself for me. He says in verse 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. He chooses to give himself. It's a choice. No one forces him, right? He says in verse 18, no one takes my life. I'm giving it of my own accord. I have the authority to lay my life down and to take it up again. Jesus is the shepherd who lays down his life. You know, if you read in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that big part of the Bible, there's a man named Jacob, and he's a big deal. He's a patriarch. And he's one of the greatest people in the Bible. And he was a great shepherd. And there's this scene in the Bible where Jacob is talking to his father-in-law, Laban, and he's telling them that he's been such a good shepherd that none of his sheep have miscarried. And if any of the sheep were somehow stolen, he paid for them out of his own pocket. But when you read that story, you'll notice something. Jacob never puts his his own life on the line for the sheep. And he never lays his life down for those sheep. There's also David, that great king of Israel. And he was a great shepherd. And he fought lions and bears to protect his sheep. And he actually put his life on the line for the sheep. But do you think that he would have gone and fought those predators if he knew it was, it was a sure thing that he would have to die for those sheep? No. David, as great as a shepherd as he was, did not give himself for his sheep. Jacob, David, they're great shepherds. They're fine shepherds. But they don't die for the sheep. This is the uniqueness of Jesus. He gives himself for the sheep. And he he gives himself for us because we're the sheep. Jesus is essentially saying to us, no one takes my life from me. I'm giving it of my own accord. This is the will of God. He's given me authority to do this. It's not suicide. But my father has given me this command. My father has given me this authority. And I willingly do it. Do you know why Jesus does that? Listen, we need to reflect on this. Jesus gives his life to save us from death. Because death is the ultimate enemy. And death can only take those who are sinners. And so what's a sinner? I know, I know, we don't like that word. It's not a likable word. In the Bible... A sinner is anyone who claims a right over their own life. Anyone who says, I should be the one who's in charge. I'm making the decisions. I decide what's right and wrong. I decide what I'm living for. A sinner is someone who runs off with something that isn't theirs. Like us. Because we didn't create ourselves. We don't own ourselves. And so death claims anyone who's a sinner. Death is our executioner, the ultimate enemy. Now, in our modern secular age, death is considered natural. Death is just the next stage. It's natural. Death is nothing to fear. But you know what? I know that you know that's not true. Because whenever you've been near death, Your whole body, your whole heart tells you this isn't natural. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. The enemy has been here. It's a monstrosity. It's not natural. It's a perversion of how things are supposed to be. The Bible is more consonant with your intuition. Death is the enemy. How will we face death? You know, if you read up on the last words of the Christian martyrs, it's fascinating. You'll read statements of forgiveness in the face of death. You'll read uh, prayers of praise to God. Unique last words. And as unique as they are, they all share something in common. Incredible courage in the face of death. And yet, When Jesus faced death, he was afraid. He was sweating blood. And he's asking God if it's possible to save him from the cross. How were the other martyrs so courageous and Jesus so afraid? Because on the cross, Jesus didn't just suffer his own bodily death. He took on all our deaths. He experienced the complete separation from God. Hell itself, the hell that you and I deserved. Because we deserve to be cut off from God forever. But Jesus took that on himself in our place. And you have to understand that Jesus was innocent. The only person who's ever existed who perfectly loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And who loved others as himself. He was blameless, and yet he gave his life for us. And because he died without blame, he vanquished death, and now death has no claim on us. No one will do that for you. Only Jesus, only the good shepherd, gives his life for the sheep. And if you follow Jesus, Death is no longer the ultimate enemy. Death is simply a door to a new and better life. A life with the one who loves you, who gave his life for you. A life where he leads you to green pastures and still waters where the wounds of your heart are healed. When you follow Jesus, his love is made real in your heart and you will see a change. You won't be addicted to safety. You won't hoard what God has given you. Instead, you will give generously. And you won't keep a polite and quiet piety. You will proclaim the truth of Jesus without fear of what others have to say. Listen, maybe you feel this isn't you. Maybe you think to yourself, in the end, I don't give generously. Or maybe I don't talk about Jesus to those who are around me. Maybe because you don't know how. Or you're afraid you're going to feel, you feel that you're the kind of person that's made too many mistakes. And people who have made too many mistakes shouldn't talk about Jesus. Just wouldn't look right. And if you feel that your brokenness stops you from connecting with Jesus, if you feel like you're the black sheep, I want you to hear this. You know, when Jesus was in the garden and he was facing uh, his death for us, Jesus didn't say, why should I die for those people, those terrible people? He didn't say that. He doesn't say that because he is the good shepherd. But I know that we fear being seen and rejected for who we are. This is what we most fear. My spiritual director once told me that what humans want the most is to be understood. We want to be seen and accepted, loved and understood but we're afraid, and we hide from each other. We put up facades to protect ourselves so that we're not completely seen. We go to the right school. We get the right job. We have the right friends. We go on the right vacations. We're desperate to be understood, and yet we hide. Just like Adam and Eve, who when they ate that fruit that they knew they shouldn't have, they hid in shame. And this is our human history, and it's the source of our pain and our suffering, a litany of misunderstandings that have woven a history of shame and suffering and pain. This is the modern play. In his play, titled No Exit, Sartre, that great existentialist philosopher says, hell is other people. Sartre says, "Hell is the feeling of nakedness, of having somebody able to look right down through me and see my, see my inmost thoughts? He says we feel, and I quote, if somebody knows me completely, they will not like me. Anybody who knows me completely will despise me. And therefore we have to hide. And yet we know that hiding isn't good. Kierkegaard says, and I quote, "In every man there is something which to a certain degree prevents him from being becoming perfectly transparent to himself. but he who cannot reveal himself cannot love, and he who cannot love is the most unhappy of all." The human condition, modern writers say, is that we are desperately afraid of being known, and on the other hand, we're desperately desiring to be known. You know, most of us would die if we had to be naked in front of people. Because we fear our bodies wouldn't hold up. But we always know there's someone out there who works out really hard, and they might be okay with their body. How dare they? It's all right. But you know what's true? All of us would die if we were spiritually and emotionally naked and since the Garden of Eden, we've been hiding from each other. Ever have a really good job, and you're fearing that everyone knows you're a fraud? Or people tell you you have a perfect family and a perfect career and a perfect life, and you're terrified that people will learn the truth. Or you're such a wonderful, kind person, you're so lovely, and you're terrified they're going to learn the truth of who you really are. This is the human condition. And yet Jesus, the good shepherd, already knows you all the way down. He's seen the parts of you that you would die before having others know about. He's seen all of that. And he loves you. He loves you so much that he's given his life for you, that you might trust him, that you might choose to live your life for him and be his family forever. Because in Jesus, we are completely loved. So I'm inviting you today. Turn to Jesus. You know, there are parts of you that you're withholding. Trust that you're not giving. Whether out of pride or out of shame or out of fear. And I'm here to tell you, let all of that go and fall into the arms of the one who loves you with an infinite love. Turn to Jesus in repentance and faith to the shepherd who is good, who has given his life for you, and who loves you forever. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, We thank you that when you saw us in our brokenness, when you saw us in our loneliness and and death, you didn't abandon us, but you came to us the good shepherd and you gave your life for us that we might trust you and be your family forever. God, I pray for everyone in this room that they may turn to you. Whatever's in their lives and our lives and my life that is stopping me from trusting you from coming to you with my whole self, I pray that you remove that, that we may come to you and that you may lead us to those still waters, those green pastures, to a life of love and peace. And I thank you because today you're doing that. And so we thank you and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.